We're glad that all the people have come here. Each one of you are precious in the Lord today. Open up your Bibles with me to Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 1. Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 1. As we're starting to turn on the lights, we're going to get to see you a little bit better. Open up your Bible. You'll also see it on the screen here. We're starting a new sermon series for the month of December called Thus Says the Lord, A Study in the Prophets. If you've ever wondered what that big part of your Bible is about, you're going to get to understand a lot of that today. A good portion of your Bible was written by prophets, and they're broken into two categories, major and minor. Now, don't think to yourself that major prophets are like more professional, and the minor ones are like in baseball. They're in the minor leagues. They're not as good. All that we say as Bible students, as theologians, major and minor, all that we mean by that is the major ones are bigger, a major portion of the Bible. That's like Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah. Those are huge portions of the Bible. And then there are smaller, minor portions that are like Habakkuk, only three chapters where Isaiah is well over 60 chapters. Now, this will fit in with our Christmas service, so everybody get ready to come in the Sunday before Christmas with your friends and family, same time, but we're going to have an awesome presentation. It'll be a great gospel opportunity for your friends and family during that season when they're more, you know, more uh, leaning towards church to bring them, and they won't be disappointed. So make sure you come. And out of that uh, service, what I'll be doing is coming from Isaiah, that thick book, and I'll be showing you all these wonderful prophecies of Jesus. Habakkuk gives us a major message that we all should hear and listen to. That message is in wrath, remember mercy. Everybody say, in wrath, remember mercy. There is a story of one time I was in Red Lobster. I was acting up. It was a Sunday after church. My parents were pulling me into the bathroom, and I looked back at my mom and shouted to those that were there in the restaurant, pray for me. Please pray for me. You know, there are times when you know you do something wrong and you deserve punishment. You know that it is your fault. You deserve it. And there's times like that that you want to call out for mercy. Habakkuk is a prophet that is in the time of Israel being judged, and he does that very same thing. He cries out to God for mercy, not only for what he's done wrong, but what has been done wrong in his land. Let's go to Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1. If you guys are opening up your Bibles and following with me today, can I hear an amen? Amen. As always, our notes are online, and you can follow there. It's the same notes you see on the screen. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1 says, the prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. Now, if you believe that God can speak to prophets, then you can believe what Habakkuk is going to say. We've done other sermon series based on God speaking to people and them having a word. If you believe that, this is easy. If you don't believe that, that's going to be hard for you. But I would ask you to think about it rationally. If there is a God, could he give a message? Just yes or no. I, I'm not saying let's go through the whole argument now. I'm just asking a very simple question. We know we didn't come from nothing. We know we didn't go through the goo, through the zoo to you. We know that. We know there has to be something out there, right? So if there is a God, could God speak to people? Yes, he could. Now, the second question is just very simple as well. Could God preserve the word he spoke to people? Could he make sure that it wouldn't get corrupted, it wouldn't get lost, somebody wouldn't forget about it and just leave it somewhere in the desert, that this message would actually be preserved and handed down and that after a certain amount of time we could say we reliably have the message that was first given. Do you believe that? Is God able to do that? Is there anything illogical about saying God can speak to people and that God can preserve his word? No, not one bit. And like I said, I have taken my time to go through many sermons to explain how the Bible has still been preserved. One of the most beautiful things is, is that people who read the Bible take it very serious. And so they make sure they write it down word for word and they guard those things that they write it on. Back in the day, it was scrolls. And there was a community in the desert 
that took care of their skulls so much that when they saw they were being invaded by the other armies of Rome and the Jerusalem people were falling, you know, and they were getting sacked, that they made sure to preserve these, these scrolls and caves that would have the opportunity to survive and not be taken down by the weather. And in the 1940s, we found these scrolls that dated to 100 years before Jesus' life, and they were the Old Testament. And guess what we found? No major change at all. Other than a little spelling, other than a little bit of word order, the books, especially the prophets, were preserved to the T. They did their job. Now it's our turn to do our job. We got it on computers. We got it here in paper. It is our job to make sure we hear what the prophets say and pass it down to the next generation. So this whole month, it's going to be about, thus says the Lord. What has God said? A word from the prophets, and then taking them serious, because every generation has the opportunity to either hear the word of God or to forget it and go on without it. And we have seen what happens when we forget the word of God, haven't we not? We see what happens to our culture when they forget the word of God. So let's be those who take the word of God seriously. So verse 1 says, the prophecy that Habakkuk received, the prophet received, now, he then is going to tell you what he received, but before he does, he's going to give you his complaint. Now, why is he complaining? Let's read and find out. How long, Lord, must I call for help? Have you ever called for help and wondered how long you're going to have to keep calling? I mean, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes you wonder, is God even listening? This prophet is speaking to you then. Lord, how long must I call for help? But you do not listen. Or cry to you violence, but you do not save. Why do you look at, why do you make me look at injustice? Aren't you tired of having to look at all the injustice of this world? It says, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Now, I don't know about you, but this, what we just read, which predates Jesus by 400 years, so this is about 400 B.C., sounds like I just read Chicago's newspaper. I mean, if I were to talk to you right now about what's going on in this city, going on in this country, and then I asked you, how are you and God working through this? Wouldn't most of us say the same kind of complaint? You know, I believe in God. I love God, right? We would, most of us here would say, I love you, Jesus. I know you're real. You died on the cross for me. But why are you making me look at this? Why do I have to watch this? Think about the violence that you see. The violence from the streets to that in the traffic. Come on, be honest with yourself. To that which is on TV to what we're listening to? Have you ever just got to the point you cry out to God and say, God, why do I have to watch this? We think about right now, 3,500 children die in abortion clinics every day in this country. And specifically in this city, people come from Indiana to Illinois because our abortion laws allow them to murder their children at a later date, even to a point where the child could survive outside the womb. I know that I ask God all the time, God, why are you making me look at this? I just went to Prosser High School Friday to preach to the young people out there, and I could see on their faces violence. I could see that the young people were going to get up to no good over the weekend, and I was pleading with them as they were mocking us as we were preaching to them. I was saying, how many more of your friends do you have to see die? And then I used the example. I said, you guys laugh at me now. I said, but what if someone shot your mother in the head like a woman on Halloween night was shot in the head one block from here? And you could see that some of them that, that got their attention. Because even the violent recognize they don't want violence done to them, right? Even they recognize that. Don't do it to me. It's okay if I do it to you in traffic because you deserve it. It's okay if I yell at you on the phone when you're not doing your job right. But, hey, don't, don't yell at me when I don't do my job right. 
We're always pointing the finger at other people's violence and not looking at the inner violence of ourselves. The Bible says in the New Testament, when Jesus came around in Matthew chapter 5, he said, hey, you've heard me say before, God say thou shalt not murder, but if you're angry and you curse out one another, that is also the sin of murder. And everybody goes, ooh, come on. Everybody goes, oh, snap, because I thought I wasn't that violent until Jesus said that it's violence of the heart that even counts. And then the next thing that he talks about is injustice. Isn't it something that everybody in America, especially right now, is an expert at justice? Everybody has a bone to pick, whether it's a bone to pick with white privilege or the men or the women saying to the men, you've held us down for too long. And, and true, there's so much truth in that, right? There's, there are people that have done you wrong that have white skin. But how many know there's also white people that want to do you right? Come on. How many know there's men who have done you wrong, but there's some men that want to do what's right? How many know there's some police officers that have done what's wrong, but a lot of them want to do what's right? There's politicians that have done what's wrong. Has anybody found one that wants to do what's right? I don't know. I'm still waiting for that one. And it's always the next one coming, right? The next one coming is going to do us right. And yet I can tell you this. I've, I've seen them all come and go in my lifetime, and none of them yet I would follow to this church and say, be a leader to me. For whatever good they do, all of them have done something good. I get that. But I wouldn't look to them as a spiritual leader, all the affairs they have, all the cheating and the lying they do. But we all think we're an expert in injustice. Have you ever noticed the hypocrisy of America's justice warriors today? Let's talk about Black Lives Matter. To me, black lives have mattered before it was ever a movement. I was called from being in the white suburbs of Indiana to go work in the projects of New Orleans. I adopted nine different projects. Back then, it was the Hot Boys from Magnolia, No Limit Soldiers from the Calio Projects. And you can see these pictures of this long, white-haired young boy just preaching his hearts out that I have in my past history. But it was more than just me standing and preaching in those projects. It was adopting families into my life and to bringing people into my actual life. And to this day, I am the father figure to so many of those young people. As a matter of fact, one of my young people now is an older person, has a child, and she was traveling on vacation and got stuck in Chicago. It was nothing for Mina to call me up and say, hey, pastor, do you got a place for my daughter to stay? She's downtown stuck, doesn't know what to do, and within moments got her a place to stay. It's just, it's family. Come on, somebody say family. But why is it when I look today at the Black Lives Matter movement, I don't see them focusing on the number one issue factoring into why black lives are not mattering, which is people not caring about the unborn, in abortion, more black babies are dying right now in some areas than are even being born. And the black father and the black mother being married and Christian like Martin Luther King Jr. and the other civil rights leaders used to do. You see, what they did was they detached themselves from Christian values and now attached to themselves the values of the LGBT, the values of hating all types of people just as racist as people have been to them. Now they want to hate others just based on their skin color. And then they want to call out the church, and I've heard them do it. Trust me, I've done my homework on this. And then say, the church hasn't done a darn thing for us. And that's why you see a lot of Muslims in those movements, a lot of lesbians in those movements, because the man hasn't done anything for us. We'll do it for ourselves. But let me ask you a question. Why is it when I talk to the black people who marched in the civil rights movement, and I had one here, his father was in it, he was brought up in the South, Thomas Gross, pastor there in New Orleans, why is it he says, my father wouldn't even recognize these young people today? The leadership is gone in that community. Now you might say, Pastor, you're just picking on the African-American community. No, let me, let me talk about mine just for a little bit and how I see injustice because I see people who look just like me, Ellen DeGeneres. I see people who look like me, Donald Trump. I see people who look just like me, Bill Gates, and they don't care like they should care for the culture that has made them rich. What has Donald Trump said about women do I want my daughters to be one of his wives, 
Of course not. Do I want Ellen DeGeneres to get my family onto her talk show so she can pervert their mind with her lesbianism? Are you listening? Is this not injustice? Of course it is. Injustice is not just a courtroom gavel slamming down uh, the wrong verdict. Injustice is oppressing people with your views and your ideas. I think they call that microaggression now. I just call it sin. God, why do you make me look at Ellen, date a woman, get a bunch of women to follow her who happen to be mothers and wives, and yet she's a lesbian, can't relate to any of it. Why is it they follow her? That's unjust. That's unjust to me. Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? We see a lot of people coming to the immigra- with the immigration issue. How many think we should be kind to immigrants? How many think we should do that, right? But how many of you want to take them into your house right now? Do you know that they have had people call up those who literally protested their movements to say, let all the immigrants come in, just open the doors, don't check them, anything. it's all right, trust their stories, bring them on in. Do you know that those people have been called up by other people and have literally asked them and said, we've got two immigrant families right now, how many will you take into your house? They need a place to stay. They need a place to live. Will you take them right now? An organization after organization says, oh, that's not what we do. That's not, oh, we'll find somebody else for that. And then on the phone call, they literally ask them, well, why don't you, receptionist, why don't you take them into your house right now? You see, when we get this idea that it's somebody else's problem, it's real cool to be a justice warrior on Facebook, but it's another thing to go do something about it. You want to help Central and South America? Why don't you go down there right now and join their military and kill them drug lords that are ruining their country? You want to go help Central and South America? Why don't you go down there and vote them in to be another provenance of the United States of America and wave their flag over their nation? You see, the idea of just taking everybody that wants to escape from their nation to our nation, then why Then why not just make America the entire borderless country of Central and South America then? You see, the idea isn't really justice. What I hear a lot of people saying is we just want stuff. Because the people that I respect that came here and paid their dues, the Latinos that I know who have come here and paid their dues, didn't come in breaking in. They came here to say, I want to set an example for my family and do it a better way. And if you say, well, America doesn't want to do that for them, okay, well, then go to Canada then if it's so bad here. See, it gets quiet when I talk like that. See, but you want a preacher just to tell you another story about Jonah and the whale. See, let's that's, that's just be honest, right? Like right now, some of you are very uncomfortable because I'm not supposed to make this make sense out of your problems in the world. I'm supposed to take this and talk about you and just you getting a better lifestyle and the injustice is you're not getting paid $25 an hour. No, no, no. He is looking at real problems. There is real violence. There is real injustice. There is real wrongdoing. There is real strife. There is real conflict. And the Bible says justice never prevails. The wicked outnumber the righteous. So I don't know about you, but I feel like that. That's what I feel like. I'm just giving you one more. I'm all into the Me Too movement. Let me tell you what I mean by Me Too. I want women to have equal rights and opportunities. I got four girls. I want them to be treated right without ever having to be, uh, uh, you know, molested or to be raped or anything. How many believe I believe in the Me Too movement when it comes to that? But you know what I don't understand is how they get a Muslim woman to lead the Me Too movement named Linda Sassor when it wasn't until this year, 2018, that the Saudi Arabian women, the home of Islam, got to finally get a driver's license. How is it you're going to march here and try to get the speck out of America's eyes when you've got Muslim nations under Sharia law that can still beat their women? See, y'all get quiet. Some of y'all ain't men, but are you listening? And then you look at the Me Too movement, and right in there, we believe in abortion. Oh, so y'all, y'all care about women that are alive but not in the womb then? Because there's still countries like China, everybody look up at me, that kill 
and do genocide against women for one reason and one reason only. They can only have one child in China. They limit the amount of children they can have. And China will basically kill them at any age inside the womb. And so if you don't want a girl and you want a man that will be more prosperous for your family, you have permission to kill your unborn child simply on the gender. And yet you're going to support that and then say, me too. The devil is a liar. See, I'm just going to tell it as it is, whether y'all like it or not, because I just want to be real. And we may agree to disagree on some things. I get it. I'm not perfect in my understanding of stuff. Please understand that. But what I am saying is, if you're asking me what am I crying out for, I'm crying out for the violence that I see from the streets to Wall Street to the media to what I see in people's lives. I'm crying out to God saying, God, why don't you save? Have you ever been there? And I'm crying out for injustice for the immigrants, for the country I live in, and for all the other countries of the world that are jacked up, hurting their people. But you know how I'm doing it? I'm doing it through the law of God. So I want to see it done by the law of God. I don't want it just because it makes me feel better in the moment. You see, I got to pay to get my doctorate and to get my degree. And if Bernie's going to give me a free degree, I'm not going to vote just for Bernie so I can get a free degree. If that means he's going to paralyze the law of God in this nation. Did you all just hear what I said? I would rather pay for my health insurance more than what I need to pay than to vote him in because what they want to do is say, hey, don't worry about morals. Keep that stuff out of the government. Let's just let that be, but get us in so we can give you all this free stuff. And what they're doing is trying to pimp us. And we as the church got to get woke. This is really being woke because listen to me, young people. Just just get it for a second. Everybody look up at me, please. If everybody on MTV sounds just like what you care about, you have already been bamboozled. Because MTV, now this, these people don't care about your Bible. So if you so woke on everything that Ellen's woke on, you so woke on everything they all woke on, you have already been put to sleep. You have all, lullaby, lullaby, say what we say, listen to what we listen to, laugh at what we laugh at, look at what we, that's all they're doing to you. You see, I'm really woke. You want to know what a revolutionary looks like right here? And then look around the audience. This is what it looks like when a revolutionary talks. Because I don't even have a church of a bunch of uh, yes people. And I don't got a church of a bunch of white people either. So I'm going to make sure that what I say to a church that's multicultural comes with some backbone. Because if you're going to have to stand in front of your gente and your people and on your block and take, take some heat for it, you better believe I'm going to talk to the white man, to the suburban man, and I'm going to tell them the same exact thing. Because everybody who looks like you ain't you. Everybody who looks like you is not talking like you. And you need to stop just going in your cliques like all the white rich people we're going to agree because we're all just white and rich. And all the Latino people we're all going to agree because we're Latino. And all the African Americans we're all going to agree. We always forget about the Asians. But then the Asians we're all going to agree with each other. You know they had the smallest table in the lunchroom. That's okay. They're cool. They had the nicest cars though, right? Oh, but we, we're going to just be with the Asians now. Where are my Asians at? Come on. No, no. I want to know what God says. I want to know what God says. I'm not, I'm not committed to a political party. I'm not, I'm not committed to a movement that doesn't make the Bible the standard of their movement. Now you may say, Pastor, how does that apply to, to politics when we got to keep church separated from state? The same way it applies to them. Just like they bring their worldview into their voting, I bring in this worldview. What does separation from church and state mean? What it means is I can't make you do what I do for my God. But it doesn't mean that I can't put that word down and step on it and say, this is my foundation. This is what I lay down. This is what I stand on right here. Y'all thought I disrespected it. This is just paper, y'all. But my word is God. God said, my word is a rock. That's what I walk. 
right into the voting place, right into my job, and you can take it out my cold, dead hands if you want, but I'll still go to heaven with it in my heart. That's my foundation. Thus says the Lord. And that's why when you see me and you see what I put up, all colors get laid waste. All races get laid waste. All economics get laid waste. You follow me on social media, you come to this church, and nobody's here because I wakeboard, I'm white, and I live in a certain kind of house. If you're here, it's because you like this. It don't matter skin color. It don't matter. It doesn't matter how about my age. It doesn't matter the money. You here is because you like this. It's right here. You say, man, that crazy white guy, boy, I'll tell you what, I agree with him on this. I may not go rock climbing with them. I may not go snowboarding with them. Right? Come on. But I believe with them on this. And that's why when I go around the world, I stand on this. I don't preach Americanism. By the way, when we went to India, they didn't see the difference between any of us. Because when I come there with white, black, Asian, even from, you know, different parts of the, of the Southeast Asia, when we come to them into India and Nepal, we're all American to them. Because they just see us all speaking English, all liking the same things. You get what I'm trying to say. And so I think it's that way when it comes to God. It, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter where you came from. When you hold on to this, you my kind of people. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So justice is perverted. He complains. Now what does God say back to him? God comes right at him. He says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if it were told to you. Now, this is why you got to take the Bible in context because somebody right here is going to rip that out, put that on the refrigerator and go, man, looky here. God's going to do something you ain't never seen before. Hallelujah. It's going to be amazing. And we believe that God's going to do those things, don't we? But can I skip ahead and tell you what he's saying? This is exactly what the prophet is saying. He's saying, you don't like your people. They've been mean to you. They don't live for God. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring a nation even more wicked than them to your nation, and this, they're going to kick that, that nation's butt. I'm going to bring a bigger bully than your bully and kill that bully right in front of you. Do you know how Daniel even got in Babylon? How did Daniel get in Babylon? I'm going to look at Ricky right here. This is Daniel, like the son next to him here, and the other one is Shadrach, and I can point around here, uh, Amigo and all this, Shadrach and Amigo, Abednego, right now, Amigo, Shadrach. But you know what happened? God sent the Babylonians to kill Ricky the father to take the children into Babylon. That's what he's saying right here. Look at the nations and watch. Be utterly amazed because I'm about ready to blow stuff up. I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylons, the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings, not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. He is saying, Jerusalem, you had your chance to live for God, but now what I'm going to do is bring up people more wicked than you to destroy you. Let me ask you a question. How close do you think America is from that? How, do you, how close do you think America is to being destroyed by another nation more wicked than us? What would happen if just Russia and China wanted to be allies and start a World War III with us? What would happen if you were taken to Beijing as slaves? What would happen if you were made to go to Moscow? I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to get you to recognize how serious this was to them. He's literally saying, I gave you an option to do it my way, the easy way, or the hard way. But y'all have chosen the hard way. Now this is what it's going to look like. I'm going to choose these ruthless, impetuous people to destroy you. Keep going, man. He says, now, now this, you got to understand, to us, this may not be like really powerful language because we're all about like guns and, you know, bombs and stuff. But imagine you were living at this time. Has anybody ever seen Lord of the Rings? You know, it's a story about those guys fighting with swords and all that, the orakai and stuff. Just imagine this kind of description because that's how crazy the Babylonians were to the Jewish people. 
Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at fortified cities, building earthen ramps. That means they come up to the wall, build a ramp, and then come take you over. Building earthen ramps that capture them. They then and sweep past like wind. Go on, guilty people whose own strength is their God. Now listen to this. God says, I'm going to send them, and you won't even be able to stop them. Can I ask you a question? Not only could this happen to us with another nation, but could it possibly have already happened to us by us? Let me just back you up to 1950, to 1960. Do you know that every single culture here had marriages almost to 80, 90% no divorce? No divorce. 80, 90% marriages stayed together. Do you know that every single one of our cultures here, that every one of us, 80, 90% grew up in a home with the dad? Grew up in a home with mom? Did you know that? Did you know that in the 60s that the biggest trouble you could get into in high school was chewing gum, talking while the teacher's talking, and playing hooky on school, at school? Let me ask you a question. Is it any coincidence that around that same time, while the civil rights is breaking out, people are fighting for justice, all cultures standing together, that at that same time, somebody complained and said, we don't need this in our schools anymore because our problems are just really easy to solve. We don't, need, we don't need to read this in the morning. We don't need to pray. People say separate church from state. My friends, where do you think this Bible came from in America when they would swear upon it? Why do you think chaplains are in Congress even to this day? It was never a problem to read this book in schools, in the schoolhouses and little house on the prairie. This was their first textbook. But they put it in people's head in the 1960s. Let's get rid of that book. And let's have them stop praying because we're at the height of prosperity. Our biggest problems, chewing gum, talking in class, we don't need this in school. I wonder what happened. How did these horses come swifter than leopards? How did these wolves rise up? Where did it come from? Where did these drugs come from? Where did this amount of destruction come from? Did it come from China? Did China start selling crack in our neighborhoods? Did China start giving us ecstasy at the discotheque to have us start sleeping with each other and having orgies? Did, did another nation come and do that to us? No, we did it to ourselves. And now, come on, everybody look up at me, please. And now, a city like Chicago, when I was just in Florida, I tell people, I'm from Chicago, and they say to me, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, because we did it to ourselves. But you say, how could God allow that? Can I give you a, a, a quick illustration right here? If I give you an umbrella, and it's raining outside, but you walk outside without the umbrella, is that my fault, or is that your fault? Come on, I'm going to ask you again. You guys got to get up. Don't be slow. Come on, let me ask you again. If I give you umbrella, it's raining outside, but you walk outside without the umbrella, whose fault is that? It's your fault. It's not my fault, right? It's the same thing with me. You give me the umbrella, but I leave it aside, and I go outside, and it's raining on me, and I'm like, man, I hate this rain. Man, I can't believe this is raining. It's my fault. We're now angry at God asking him to fix everything. We're saying, why are you making me look at all of this? Why are all these problems here? And God is simply saying, I tried to protect you, but you told me you didn't want me. So this is what it looks like when you don't want me. This is what it looks like when you try to fight for justice, but you don't do it like Martin Luther King Jr. from the Bible. This is what it looks like when you try to raise your Latino family in the country that you immigrate to, but you don't do it like your grandma did based on the Bible. This is what it looks like when you got people that are white and in charge, but they don't do it on the Bible. This is what it looks like when all cultures turn against God and then they turn against their fellow man. Because let me ask you a question. 
Are you any different than your oppressor when you live against the Word of God just like they do? You see, what separated, you know, Frederick Douglass and those in the time of slavery from their oppressors wasn't this book. They both had the same book, but the difference was when Frederick Douglass and Booker T. Washington actually read the book, they put it back in their slave master's faces and said, y'all are heretics. You're not living by this book. Am I not a man created in the image of God? Are you listening? You see, it's not the problem in the book. The problem's in our hearts. Are we doing what the book said? Now, if you thought Habakkuk had a problem with God before he talked about Babylon, what do you think he has to say now in his second complaint? Lord, now watch this. Are you not from everlasting? You see, now he gets it. He's actually not going to get upset. See, what would most of us do if we complain to God right now? God, I hate Trump. God, I hate America. I hate everything we're doing here. And God answers back to you. Okay, I'm going to send China to invade you, take away all your rights, and put your children into slavery. What are you going to say back? Oh, you ain't my God. Whoa, I'm not serving you. That's a devil. Oh, Satanas, you know, get away from me, Satan. I rebuke you. Not today, devil. Or not today, Satan. Right? But hold on. What, what does he do back? He gets it now. We do deserve the punishment. Because whatever made us think we deserve to have better to begin with. See, when you listen to people talk about justice and fairness and all of this, if they're not using this as their foundation, really what are they putting forward? What they're putting forward is, man, I deserve this. I deserve this. Well, let me ask you a question. Does does a does a antelope on the Serengeti plains deserve to live when a lion's chasing it down and is hungry? <sighs> Y'all don't watch the Discovery Channel. Did anybody listen it? Does that antelope deserve to live? No, it don't. There's no rights. See, get it? There's no rights for you on the Serengeti plain. There's no rights for animals in the animal kingdom. Animals eat their young. They eat each other. They fight. But where are rights given, my friend? Where are rights given? From your creator, from your God. So everybody listen. The Bible's teaching us. You better see it from God's perspective. See, Habakkuk doesn't run from God after he hears that they're about ready to get judged. He runs to them and basically just starts worshiping. God, you're, you're, you are from everlasting. My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. Have you ever, come on, everybody look up at me. Have you looked, come on. Have you ever asked yourself the question, has the person messing with me now been appointed by God to teach me a lesson? Woo, come on. Maybe that manager you don't like at McDonald's is teaching you a lesson. You should have went to college. Why when I preach like that? I'm going to say it again. Maybe that manager at that part-time job you have at 25 years old is there as God's judgment to teach you you were supposed to do something different than work at Forever 21 or McDonald's your whole adult life. Still ain't getting you. That's all right. I'm going to keep preaching. Maybe that boyfriend, that third one that's cheated on you, Maybe that one was appointed to be your judgment for not being in church and picking the right person. Are y'all listening? Maybe, have you thought, I just want to know, have you ever wondered if God appointed them to execute judgment on you? Woo! I just wonder if we're ever going to stop and own up to stuff. And say, man, maybe we are all just reaping some stuff we sowed. Maybe we're just reaping some stuff we sowed. And we're, we're pointing here. And there's truth in that, right? The boyfriend shouldn't have cheated on you. And the manager shouldn't keep making you work days that the other one that's their best friend doesn't have to work. That's true. And, and, and yeah, maybe you shouldn't be in debt to that credit card because they're taking advantage of you. You were in a hard time or you sold your wedding ring to this pawn shop and they got you at 30% interest. Yeah, there's people doing bad stuff. We're not denying the bad stuff. But what I'm asking 
asking is, could it be? Not every time, because sometimes bad stuff happens to good people. They crucified my Jesus, and he was perfect. But I'm just asking a question. Could some bad stuff be in our life, in our country, because God is executing judgment? Because he's saying, I'm going to teach you what little Wayne will do for you. You keep listening to him, and you keep dating people that like him. I'm going to show you what it's like to date little Wayne fanatics. I'm going to show you what it's like to date a Beyonce girl. I'm going to show you what it's like to date them because you keep listening to them and idolizing them. I'm going to show you what it's like to work for somebody who loves money just as much or more than you love money. Because what do we all see in Donald Trump? The greedy guy who just takes what he wants. But then you look at most most dudes, what are they doing? Trying to get as much as they want. Man, take as much as they want. All it really is is they just hate them because they ain't them. <laughs> Most sinners just hate other sinners because they don't have what those sinners have. You see, my problem with Donald Trump isn't, I wish I could be like him in all of these ways, but just not those ways. No, my whole thing is his, his foundation is corrupt. It's, it's not on this. So I would rather live in a two-bedroom apartment and have this as my foundation than anything he has. But you see, sinners are still looking away, looking for a way to try to get a little bit of the world with a little bit of God. And the Bible says, Jer uh, Habakkuk rather said, God, I understand you appointed them, but you're my rock. You've ordained them to punish your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You can't tolerate wrongdoing. So why then do you tolerate the treacherous? That's a good question. So God, I know you don't like evil, so why are you sending evil upon us? Look at why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? So this is a time when the wicked keep winning and the righteous keep losing. It says you have made people like fish in the sea, like sea creatures. They have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls up them with hooks, snatches them with his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet, and he rejoices and, and, and is glad. He's glad he can take, his, uh, take from us whatever he wants. Therefore, look at this, therefore he sacrifices to his nets and burns incense to his dragnet. You know who Oprah Winfrey worships? Herself. She looks, she said, because if I was to debate her, what would Oprah Winfrey say? Would, would Oprah Winfrey come to me with Scripture and say, oh, I understand Scripture better than Pastor Joe, so let me show you how Pastor Joe is wrong? No, if Oprah Winfrey's going to debate me, this is what she's going to say. Look at what my nets brought in. I'm a billionaire, and I love people. I can give away stuff to people. They love me. I even have a soul Sunday where I can talk spiritual stuff. Man, look at me. You know the problem with your pastor is? is your pastor hasn't gotten enough stuff from his net. He's just a hater. That's how they'll argue with you. They'll say, if what you're saying is so right, why is it the wicked are winning so much? If what you church people say is good and you're supposed to tithe and give your offerings, then why are the richest people in the world, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos from Amazon, and Mark Zuckerberg, none of them give in this offering, you sad sucker. Why are you doing that, giving your money to that church? You see, the Bible says they worship their own net. Oh, almighty Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg says, you almighty Facebook have brought me so much wealth. You have helped me bring the world closer together. Almighty Facebook, almighty Amazon, you are the lover of my soul, almighty Amazon. You provide for my family. They don't say it with their words, but with their real actions in their heart, they worship themselves and what they bring in, and they don't care who it hurts in the long run. Is it he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? I will stand my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what God says to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Now, how many know God's got an answer? Come on, how many know God's got an answer? So basically, let's just review. He says, I got a complaint. My people are wicked. God says, I got a solution. I'm going to send more wicked people to destroy your people. Habakkuk goes, oh, man, this is going to get bad, even though I know we deserve it. But why, God, are you going to tolerate it? Because they're going to be wicked. Now God writes back. Then the Lord said, write down the revelation. This is where it gets good for us. Write down that prophecy and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks to the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. 
What is the revelation he gets? Is I'm going to destroy the Babylonians. You say, man, a lot of people are getting destroyed. Babylonians destroy Israel. And God says, I'm good with that. And then God says, I'm going to destroy the Babylonians. Who is saved? The Bible says only a small number. Who are the small number that are saved? You guys heard about Daniel, right? Those who followed the prophets. Come on, y'all better get it. Come on. I don't know when your deliverance is coming from the wickedness of politicians. I don't know when your deliverance is coming for equality with the women, equality with the races. I don't know when it's going to come for you to be able to afford health care or when you're going to be able to rise up and start a job and not have to pay all those taxes. I don't know even in your lifetime if it's going to come. But I can tell you what, God says there's going to be hope coming and it won't delay. So what are you going to do in the meantime? I'm going to hold on to the word of God. Well, what if you lose, pastor? I'll hold on because I'm a winner in God's eyes. Well, what if you don't make as much as the person who does the other thing? I'll take the pay cut. I would rather be right with God and broke than to be rich and be out of his presence. Now, if I can have the blessings of God and the word of God, of course, I'll take them both. But many of my heroes died poor. Many of your heroes died poor. If you think about it, are you listening? Come on. I said, are you listening? What do you worship, God or money? You worship God. Then are you willing to trade money for God? Yeah, you're willing to lay it down. How about fame? What do you worship, God or fame? God or popularity? God. Now look at what he says back to him. He says, see, and I'm going to read it through it quickly now. See, the enemy is puffed up. He's talking about the Babylonians. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. So now you've got to make your choice. The enemy is out there. The enemy is wicked. We know we don't fight against flesh and blood, but the devil and his influence in flesh and blood. But the question is, will you be righteous and live by faith? That's your choice. Indeed, wine betrays him. So he's a drunkard. He's arrogant, never at rest, because he's greedy as the grave, and like death is never satisfied, and gathers to himself all the nations and takes captives of all the people. Will not all of them taunt him when they ridicule and scorn him, saying, Who, woe to him who piles up stolen good and makes himself wealthy by extortion. So eventually the nations are going to rise up and tear down Babylon. Eventually God is going to come back and the Christians are going to win. Can I hear an amen? How long must this go on. Will not your creditors arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? So now, Babylon, you made us tremble, but God is now going to make you tremble as we rise up. This is the voice of a real revolution. They will become your prey. Because you have plundered many nations, the people who are left will plunder you. So Babylon's going to get what it deserves in the end. For you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Somebody say, woe. Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many people, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by justice. You all ready for this? Somebody say, I'm ready. Could America be facing the judgment now because of what it did to the indigenous people and to the African people, yes or no? Yes, and could you now be facing God's judgment because of what you did to each other and what we do in abortion clinics and how we make ourselves idol worshipers? Could we now be facing a judgment that we deserve? Yes, just like America could be catching a licking for what it did, you in the middle of it can be catching your licking. Because, yes, you didn't oppress somebody and bring in slaves that way, but do you approve of abortion? Do you approve of the corruption that's going on in these movements? Well, then you're going to suffer the same way that the others do. Let me ask you this. Is there a different hell for Hitler than there is for the unbeliever like you or your neighbor or for me? No, we'll all go to that same place if we follow the devil along with Hitler. Look at what it says. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that people's labor is only fuel for the fire? So what you're doing now, if it's not for God, will be fuel for the fire of hell. That the nations exhaust themselves for nothing. It will count for nothing on Judgment Day. For the Lord, now look at verse 14. Look at the hope right here. For the Lord will fill the earth with the knowledge of his glory as the waters cover the sea. 
Everybody get this. Habakkuk's not only getting a prophecy for his term, uh, his time, but he's getting a prophecy that's going to affect us, including Shamal, including all the way in the back, Ashley, including my wife. The Bible literally says what will start, get this, out of Babylon being judged is that the nations are going to start hearing about God. Can I give you a little fast forward right now into history? Babylon did invade Israel. They were captured for 70 years. The Persians, a bigger bully, then destroyed Babylon. We then got set free. The Jewish people got to make their homeland. And from that point on, they were never idol worshipers again. They never sacrificed their children to Molech, to a false god again. And to that point, they brought forth Jesus, the Messiah, came from that line, the line of David. And then Jesus is now filling the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. What he got 2,400 years ago, we're seeing come to pass. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring out it from the wineskins till they are drunk so they can gaze on their naked bodies. How many know that's crazy? Don't get your neighbor drunk so you can look at their naked body. That's what they were doing. You will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it's your turn. Drink and let your nakedness be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you, and disgrace will be your glory. The violence you did to Lebanon will overwhelm you. Your destruction will come upon you, and the animals will terrify you. For you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Now look at verse 18, because what are they going to do when they come into their trouble? Get it. When Habakkuk was getting the judgment message that Babylon was coming to destroy them, what did God say the Christians, or rather the Jews at that time would do? They would turn towards God. What are the Babylonians going to do? They're going to go towards their idols. So here's your choice. Everybody get it. When judgment is here and judgment keeps coming, are you going to turn to God or an idol? Because of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman? What value is your job and the paycheck you get? Are you getting it? What does that image teach but lies? How many of you have allowed a false image of God to take over your life instead of the true God? Let that image be crushed now. For the one who makes it trusts in his own creation. So think of an idol worshiper. They make a Buddha and then they bow down to and treat it like a God. The Bible is saying that is foolish. You make this thing and it cannot even speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life. Woe to him who says to Beyonce, come and save me. Woe to him who says to Bill Gates, be my friend. Woe to him who looks at other worthless things and says, be my Savior. That's what he's saying. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life, or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? Let me ask you, can these people give you guidance, yes or no? So why are we listening to them now? How many know what I'm talking about? They want to give you guidance, but they can't give you any guidance, and then we fall for it. I want to put this right here. Can they give you guidance. Let me name out some names and you answer the question. Can Oprah Winfrey give you guidance? Can Bill Gates give you guidance? Can Donald Trump give you guidance? Can Jeff Bezos of Amazon give you guidance? But can this give you guidance? Okay, so what's your choice now? I mean, what are you going to do? It is covered with gold and silver. There is no breath in it. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent. Would you please come up here for me? Um, Vinny. How many are ready to close out and talk to Jesus a little bit? Okay, here we go. Let's get it. The first complaint is that God, uh, that Habakkuk is upset that God is allowing Jewish people to be wicked. God says, I'm going to take care of it. He's like, cool, what are you going to do? I'm going to send a crazy nation to destroy everybody. He's like, I'm a little bit upset about that, but I still love you, God. But why are you going to allow them to keep going? God says, you know what? I'm going to stop them at a certain point, and I'm going to judge them too, and I'm going to show them how dumb their idols are. And then now watch this. He says, now let all the earth be silent. We're supposed to stop right now in the prophet's words and look at our hearts and go, What side of the war have I been on? Have I been a part of the reason why there's judgment? Have you participated in what God calls sin? From the promotion and agreement with the music industry to the promotion and the agreement of the movie industry? to the promotion and the agreement of the corrupt politicians, to the false justice that hides in it, sedition against God, have you contributed to the world of problems we're in right now? 
I have. I've contributed to it. And I have to now be silent before God and say, forgive me. So would you close your eyes and do it with me right now? Ask the Lord to forgive you of things you've done to contribute to what you now see in this world. Have you been racist? Have you been greedy? Have you put down the word of God for another standard and preferred it above the word? Have you gossiped and slandered? Have you hid violence in your heart? Have you unjustly taken things that didn't belong to you? Have you lied? Have you gossiped? Have you taken the name of our God in vain? Have you been a cheater, a pervert, a user of pornography? Have you been someone that God would say, like he said to Habakkuk, I'm sending judgment against you? Think about all the times we've taken his name in vain, just that. Think about all the times we've yelled in traffic. Think about all the times that when it was left up to us to do the right thing, we chose to look the other way. We may not have been the one in the Good Samaritan story who beat up and robbed the person, but we may have been just like the other ones who walked by and did nothing. And yet we typed something on Facebook to say how just we are, how woke we are. What do you do with the evil inside of you? What do you do with the evil in your family? What do you do with the evil in your community? Don't you see we all need to repent? Because the judgment is just, isn't it? We're getting just what we deserve, aren't we? Come on, a few more moments. I was talking to those teenagers at Prosser, and I was saying, some of y'all don't even know your dad, and yet you're dating another dude right now who will do you just like your dad did your mom. You better believe that got some of them little smart aleck teenage girls to stop and give me another dirty look. Because they don't get it, do they? They don't get it that all their issues stem from bad daddy's issues, the bad father. But yet, who are they dating right now about ready to get them pregnant and restart that cycle to? You see, it's love over hate. It's purity over sin. It's righteousness over wickedness. We cannot win this the way the devil has oppressed us. In other words, you can't do wrong and expect to be rewarded for right. That's why my heroes in every age, in every movement, weren't the ones that were just shouting the loudest, demanding the most. They were the kind of people that had character, that were upright, someone that you wanted to follow and introduce to your children and say, be like this man, be like this woman. I was at Rosa Parks' bus. I've seen it. See, I could bring my children to that woman and say, this is a praying woman that deserves to sit wherever she wants not to some loud-mouthed lesbian that's cursing God and then telling me she wants to bring change to America. You see, I want a leader that I can point to and say, be like him, not a president that I have to say, well, don't have a wife like him because that's his third one, and don't treat women like him because he talks dirty about, and, and you know, some of his deals were, no, 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 shady, no, no, don't be like that, no. I want to be able to point you to my dad. You know, my dad's the same exact age of the president. And I want to say, see, here's a guy who grew up on the south side, went to college, started a business, raised up his family right. And now he may not be as popular as Trump and have all that notoriety or money, but he's the best dad I've ever known in my whole life. He's been the best husband to my mother his entire marriage, almost 50 years. Real quick now, what do you want to leave behind? What example do you want to set? Stop being a hypocrite. I'm done with being a hypocrite, aren't you? Lord, change us from the inside out. Somebody say, start with me, God.
Well, here's the beautiful thing is that Habakkuk now takes the last chapter, and hang in here with me, saints. He, he takes this last chapter, and he literally writes a prayer song. How do I know it's a prayer song? Because it's a prayer there at the beginning of chapter 3. And then at the end, he tells his guys, this is for the director of music on stringed instruments. It's a prayer song. And you know what I think came into his heart? Something like I might feel right now. Because after he just got dealt with by God and understands they've all been part of the problem, I can just see him raising up his hands, looking up to heaven, going, Lord, I have heard of your fame, and I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known in wrath. Remember mercy, my God, in wrath. Won't you remember mercy? Mercy on me, God. See, I don't know about you, but that's what it comes out of my heart. I can't sing. I know that. But I just see this man going, God, I know it's coming. I know it's going to get a lot worse. It is coming like wrath. But God, I have heard about you. I've heard how you've been merciful to people in the past. I stand in awe of what you have done. And so, God, I just ask you, I know you need to punish us. I know we've been wicked. Unborn children deserve to live corrupt shouldn't be here so God I know we deserve wrath but in the midst of it would you remember mercy on us in the midst of the racism in the midst of the creed in the midst of our teenage violence in the midst of the domestic abuse God would you have mercy and then he just goes poetic. He just goes full poetry here. Most theologians, including me, don't even know half the stuff he's talking about, but it's beautiful. He said, God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens. His praise filled the earth. These locations must have been somewhere around the time where he met with Moses and gave him the Ten Commandments. He says his splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hands where his power was hidden. We hadn't seen him, but then all of a sudden we saw him and he was like the sunrise. A plague went before him. Talking about probably the Egyptians here when he was destroying them. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood... And he shook the earth. He looked down and he made the nations tremble. It's like a song coming from my spirit. God, let us hear what the prophets are saying. The ancient mountains, they crumbled. The age-old hills collapsed. But he marches on forever. My God is still marching on, though everything is falling apart. I saw in the tents of Kushan in distress the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Can I tell you something beautiful about this? Cush is Africa. Midian is a pagan nation. Who was Moses' wife? She was an African Cushite who lived in a pagan nation of Midian. Most theologians, including myself, believe that what God is saying right here is I got my mind on the nations. I'm not just caring about Israel. I'm going to save Africa. I'm going to save the Middle East. I'm going to even save America. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Like, why did you rip apart that Red Sea? Were you angry with it? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses like chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. We believe this is when God judged the earth during Noah's day. But I also believe that God splits the earth of our heart when he puts his Holy Spirit in us because he said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. The mountains saw you and withered. Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Now watch as he jumps probably here to Joshua's day when the sun and moon stood still when they were fighting the battle. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flaming arrows, your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth, and in anger you thrashed the nations. 
You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. How many of you know that's a song just waiting to be sung right there? You came out to deliver me. Where's Desi? Come on up here, girl. To save me, your anointed one. How many believe God came to deliver you? How many believe God came to save you? You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him head to foot. And yes, Babylon got stripped down. But who is the real leader in the end time judgment day that gets stripped before us? Satan. And the Bible says on that day, we'll look at him and laugh and say, Ha, how did you ever get so much power? You were nothing but a little snake anyway. Right now, take 13. Make it a song, please. Put it in your words. I want to hear her sing it. Come on. How many want to hear a prophetess sing it? Put it in your own words. This is what we call impromptu worship. Come on, people. How many believe that today? to save your anointed Yes, indeed. In the midst of all that's going on. Come on, sing that. Oh, you came to deliver us, God. Thank you, Jesus. You came to deliver us. Thank you, God. When we called, oh, Lord, when we called, you hear the cries of your people. You rescue us. Do it, Jesus. You rescue us. Thank you, Jesus. You hear the cries of your people and rescued us from ourselves. Where would we be if it not? says with his own spear you pierced his head with warriors when warriors stormed out to scatter us gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding listen to what it says you basically blew his head off with his own spear you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to get us you blew his head off when they came to get us you trampled the sea with your horses churning the great waters now watch this i heard and my heart pounded my lips quivered at the sound of decay crept into my bones my legs trembled if y'all don't get verse 16 you don't get what we just read if there's not a part of you that makes your heart pound, your lips quiver, you, you, like, like your legs are shaking, is you don't know what we're going to go through in this nation. Will we see God's deliverance? Absolutely. But it will not come easy. This right here is Jeremiah's last, uh, Habakkuk's last thought on this. He is going, oh my goodness, I'm going to watch most of my friends die and their children go into slavery this blows my mind right now. This hurts my heart. This makes my legs tremble. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. He died before it even happened. Let me ask you a question. Are you willing to hand down a generational blessing of deliverance even if you don't see it? Are you willing to live righteous even for your children's sake? Because if you don't see it, you're at least hoping they will see it, that in their generation they'll never see abortion again. They'll never see people cutting apart their body to change their gender again. That they'll never see racism. They'll never see those kinds of things. Are you willing to stand up for it now and wait patiently for it to come? And here's the final part in closing, y'all. Here it is. This is what I love about my man Habakkuk. He said, though the fig tree does not bud, though there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive tree fails, because I know it's going to get bad out here, and though the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep, no food in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in my God and Savior. 
You, he, he, you get what he said? He said, while others are rejoicing in those things, I know those things can be taken away. And if you take them away from me, I'll still rejoice in my God because you can never take him away. And he says, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Are you ready to go through some hard times, but to go through them with Jesus? Let's get up and give it up for him one more time. Come on, saints. We thank you, Lord. We're going to go through these times with you. We hear what you say to the prophets. Altar workers and band, would you come, please? How many hear what the prophets said today? Amen. If you got questions, talk to your life group leader. If you want to debate, talk to one of us right here at the end of service. We'll have a debate with you. We love debates. But if you want to pray, we're going to end out in prayer. How many want to pray right now? How many want to pray that God's going to use you to be a generation shaker and a history maker? Come on. How many of you want to be a generation shaker and a history maker? How many of you want to walk on the heights of the troubled land and be above it? Even though you got to go through it, you're going above it. I may have to be here for the next seven.